Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. So the quarantine has done um, some good for the world. The environment's healing, I guess, and animals are doing great. And I'm sure there's some silver linings or advantages here, but it's also done a number, besides the obvious bad things, uh, it's, it's done a number on, on bringing up the worst habits. And two that I've picked up are um, finding more and more ways to drink well, I guess that's the whole point. More and more ways to drink, um, and uh, shopping online. I just bought a, uh, a Red Wing Centennial Classic jersey. After when it came out, I ridiculed it because I thought it was ugly, and I've been looking for one ever since. So thank you, Rowan, for uh, fueling and encouraging my uh, new jersey buying habit. So that'll be here soon. And uh, I've recently discovered Micheladas. Or at least like a poor man's version of Micheladas. Um, so anything that involves hot sauce and beer and lime juice in general, I'm a fan of. And like chili lime seasoning on the rim. Anyways, I'm having a great time. Um, but I'm not sure what kind of person I'll be coming out of all of this. So make I bought a KitchenAid stand mixer today. Oh, that's just pragmatic though. I Mother's Day one. sale, right? That's for me. Did you get it with a glass bowl? No, but uh, I'm looking to get a meat grinder on it. Oh, yeah. yeah that's good. You're going to get the pasta maker? Not the pasta maker, but I also want the sausage casing th- uh, attachment. It's just going to be a meat house. Mother's Day sale or Costco? Mother's Day sale. Pretty nice. solid little deal. So Yeah. Had to, had to do it. Uh, Brad's name on, on this episode is Tired, which is remarkable, Brad, because the world is on pause. So please tell us why you're tired. I have children. <laughs> I actually forgot. I was like, you can't be tired from work. There were, uh, as of recording this, I have been awake for 14 hours already. It's 8 p.m., not even. Sorry, you've been awake since 4 in the morning? No, sorry, you've been awake since 6 in the morning? There you go, Scooter. Yeah, Hank gets up when Hank wants to get up, and Hank wants to get up earlier and earlier every goddamn day. He's a busy guy. His top two teeth are coming in now. Well, one of them's already through. The other one's coming through. So he's just angry all the time now, too. So it's like I wake up with him, and it's not like, you know, go down, have a peaceful breakfast, watch it. No, 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 no. It's trying to keep this poor little kid um, from screaming in agony. So it's basically wake up, get Tylenol in him as fast as humanly possible, um, then summon me. Then some more in him, then some more in me, then even more in me, and then hope to God Crystal's awake by that point, and uh, I can go to work. We uh, we actually had a pretty adventurous weekend. We had two different um, click and collect or uh, order ahead pickups for things out of town. One on Saturday, and one on Sunday. So uh, today, Sunday, we went to IKEA, like an hour away to get a giant ass picture frame because we've had art with no frame um just sitting so the shipping on it was like 60 dollars. we're like no we'll wait till we can drive there and pick it up so that was exciting uh, i got to see a highway again haven't seen one of those in a while and uh, yesterday we um i know you guys have been pretty um wrapped up and interested in the story of our kegerator we um we were getting rid of our kegerator so mel's family 
like her family and her like cousins and aunt and uncle all built it together. And so they kind of rotates between them and we've had it since we bought the house. So, uh, it's a high time we gave it back. And so we went out and got an even bigger kegerator that uh, can hold two kegs and has two taps. So twice the beer productive. If you're going to double down on the shitty person you become during the quarantine, you might as well be more productive at it. Yeah, you get me. Well, uh, this is a Red Wings podcast. This is a hockey podcast. So thanks for bearing with us as we gave that um, droning intro to our lives. Welcome to the Winged the, Wheel podcast. Yeah, this intro was just uh, the replication of any conversation you'd have with someone who you bumped into at the grocery store that you haven't seen in like six months. That's almost and everyone it. at this point. <laughs> and the grocery store is eerie. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad. I'm wanting to buy a haircut. Yep, your hair looks fine, man. It's it's out of control. It's a wild. It grows, man. it grows in straight. Look at mine; it curls out. It's like, yeah. hey, I haven't had a haircut. Yeah, Just do what I did. Get get to Cat and Mel to cut it. I'm gonna do a mohawk. I think. What, when when in Rome? It's when you're in quarantine. Nobody sees you except for exactly. our listeners on YouTube. So if you want to get weird, like I attempted to grow a beard, something I never thought I would ever do in my life. Although the weird, the weirdest thing that's come out of the, uh, the beard adventure for me, when the quarantine's over, Crystal doesn't want me to shave it. Oh, geez, the world's changed. I I want to get rid of it, but that might not be an option at this point. Evan, how much money to shave the Wayne Wheel podcast logo on the side of your head? <laughs> Who has the artistic ability to do that? Know, cat, Nobody cat said it had creative. to be good. Yeah, just try. <laughs> Instagram versus reality. Yeah, come on. Do you think Kat would do it if you put her up to it? Yeah. How much Got money? nothing else to do right now. Just like everybody <laughs> else. Okay. Name your price. Come on. Speak for yourself. I'm working. I'm prepping a store. I don't even know because I don't, I don't care about my hair at all. So One dollar it is. The, all right, the guy who says he's willing to buy a haircut in his name doesn't care at all about his hair. All exposed. Um <laughs> On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we, of course, are going to be talking more about the news that we um, are so sorely awaiting with the potential for a June NHL draft. Any updates on that? <clears throat> Spoilers, not a lot. Um, more thoughts and feelings. What return to play can or would look like uh, the Red Wings RFA situation? We'll just touch on that a little bit and then uh, do our draft profiles before heading into overtime. So a little bit of a haphazard show today, but um, it's not going to shop the stove. It's not going to shop the stove from rolling on, you know? Oh boy. Hockey, please come back soon. There was like that stretch of like five days where all, all the draft news was like rolling out and rolling out and rolling out and everyone was like really pinned in on it and it was just like hockey twitter was active again everybody was excited about the potential for hockey again and i just felt so alive <laughs> and with purpose and it's just petered out again and i'm just like oh so sad yeah um it, you can tell exactly how interactive hockey twitter is at any moment based on the amount of tweets i have and i think i've tweeted once since Wednesday? Well, no. Yeah, maybe Wednesday. You want to know what someone said to me? They're like, uh, can you tweet more like hockey content? And I was like, where? From where? Where do I get this? Where do I find this hockey content? Do I make it? Do you want me? What do you want me to do? You want me to go out there and play and then report on it? Where's this hockey content? Well, do you think I'm hiding it? I'm saving. I'm keeping it on the shelf. It's big winged wheel podcast keeping hockey content scarce to drive up the price. What are you talking about? Tweet more hockey. Hello. I, I mean, uh, Dylan Larkin, good at hockey. Send tweet. 
I don't know what they want. Like everyone and their mother is doing it. Let's look back at this series, like the Canada Cup or like the Red Wings 09 or 08 Cup Finals or let's rewatch this game and like live tweet it as if we're all watching it. And like, you know what? Kudos to those people. Kudos, kudos, kudos. It's content. Some people like it. A lot of people like it even, but it's just like, I can't, it's not for me. I, I can't just like start like live tweeting games and pretend anyone on my feed is going to know that I'm talking about like the 2013 game two of round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like it doesn't really, I can't, we can't drum this stuff up out of nowhere. We'd love to believe me. But uh, until then, we're stuck looking at Brad's giant ass forehead. Sorry, YouTube. Um, okay, the the June draft. Um, the last time we spoke was the last time we had any kind of major update, which was that things did not go well at the Board of Governors meeting, and uh, it, the decision would most likely be delayed until next week, which is now starting tomorrow. So we're recording this on Sunday. So uh, depending on how the week shakes out, by the time you're listening, there might already be a decision. So if there is, uh, stay tuned. Depending on what kind of news it is, we might be recording sooner or later than usual, depending. So we're going to try to work with it on that. But hopefully there's some kind of news within the first half of this week. Um, so between then and now, obviously not too much has happened except for some, a little bit more information about what happened in those meetings. And, uh, the crux of it is, is that like there was a few different issues teams really brought up, but it was the, the draft lottery odds that they really, really hated. They really hated how advantageous it was for Detroit and Ottawa. And they really hated that it was only like the top five teams that were considered. And I know I've said this. But how bullshit is it? And I'm sorry for the people who don't love this swearing this early in the episode. I know they're like, it's okay later on. But it's just frankly bullshit that the teams with like 1.5% chance of winning the draft lottery are pissed off because that 1.5% chance was taken away from them when by all rights they're about to get a chance to win the Stanley Cup in this weird asterisk expanded playoffs where any team can win it. Like it is so asinine and so backwards. And yes, I'm biased because I'm only considering this from the Red Wings perspective. But how annoying is it that these 1%, 2.5%, even 3% chance teams are like, well, no, now our chances are gone. Too bad, bro. It's like th- th- this isn't a world where everyone gets to have exactly what they were allotted at the beginning. That's just not what we're working with. We're talking about expanding the playoffs by 50%. Ryan, oftentimes sports mirrors real life and the one percenters absolutely control everything. Where have you been? This is very <laughs> on good. brand for society. That was good. I teed that one up from you and you took it away. And um, to any billionaires listening, I'm sorry. And please send us a lot of money. Uh, Evan. Uh, No. (laughs) I think think this is the same proposal I I drew up last episode, but I tweeted it out just in case I thought of anything different. And here's the thing. The the league and everyone keeps talking about a 2014 playoff. And that seems to be the only way to kind of mitigate the who makes it and who does it thing who doesn't think because people or teams don't exactly love the points percentage. It's, it's not a huge hit, but seems like teams don't love anything. So who, who knows anymore? Regardless, assuming we're going with the 2014 playoff, 
31 teams in the league, right? Okay, hold 24. on. 2014, I'm not fully sure what. 24. 24, got you. Two, four teams. I thought you were getting like the lockout shortened season confused. I'm like, no, that was 2013, not 2014. It uh, it could be the, the fact that uh, recording this podcast remotely sucks, or it could just be the Micheladas. This is not my first. Um, 24 teams in the playoffs. 31 teams in the league means seven teams not in the playoffs. The way I look at it is if you're getting a chance at the Stanley Cup this year, you are not getting a chance at first overall. You can move up in the draft lottery, but you're not getting a chance at first overall. So here's my proposal. 15-team draft lottery, just like it was supposed to be, you can only move up six spots. So only teams one through seven. So as it stands right now, Detroit through Buffalo or however they want to pick you know, the the seventh uh, best team or the seventh worst team. So Detroit through seventh worst in the standings have a chance at Alexi Lafreniere or whoever they want to take first overall, Marco Rossi, if they want to be wild, they can get first overall, but there's still 15 teams in the lottery. So if you can move up six spots, bam, if you're 15th, if you're Columbus right now, you can still move up to ninth. So if your team's eight through 15, you get to double dip. You get to play for the Stanley cup and who knows, your your number might be drawn and you get, to, you get to move up in the draft lottery six spots. And I feel like that opportunity to double dip should be enough to get you to shut up and stop, you know, pissing your pants about not being able to win first overall when it's not, you shouldn't be able to do it in a year where there was no worldwide pandemic that canceled sports regardless, but especially now, just shut up about it, you know? So let's play devil's advocate here. Just for the sake of argument, not saying I'm going to agree with this stance because I actually don't know. I uh, haven't made up my mind on it, but just for the sake of argument, are we looking at this too linear about you're in the playoffs so you don't get the draft lottery? Let's put ourselves in the shoes of a Habs fan or a Hawks fan. The, you the, took what I was going to ask. Yeah. Would you rather hop into the playoffs in this 24th team knowing you're you're going to get clobbered there's no way you're going to win the cup or would you rather say no fans in the stadium means we're not missing out on a ton of revenue i'd rather you do a 20 team playoff and put me in the lottery i would 100% rather be in the lottery the jersey sales alone on getting that first overall pick trump any amount of money you'd make from playoffs this year okay but what if you you know, enter yourself in the lottery and then you end up picking 20th and bam, congrats, you got Maverick Bork, but your fans will never forgive you for not playing in a playoff where a team like Buffalo ended up winning it all on anyway, anyways, because of some weird fluke, right? Well, like those teams will be picking 20. If it's, if you're one of the fringe teams to get in this 24 team playoffs, whatever you're going to call it, you, you're in the top 10, but now you have a chance to go to number one. I mean, I mean, the, the fun side of it, and it's easy for us to say as fans of a team who are very obviously not making the playoffs this year or for a while, um, and say, yeah, just give us the pick. But I mean, man, the the pragmatic smart thing would be, no, we are not going to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, a, I don't want to win a round or two and hurt my draft position even more. But more importantly... Man, does Alexi Lafreniere change either of those organizations in a hurry? So, yeah, I I think I would rather do that. Now, no team would ever admit that publicly, but I wouldn't be shocked if there's conversations going on behind closed doors about like, hey, guys, we'd rather this. But if you're insistent on a 2014 playoff and putting us in, that's fine. We'll be happy to play the games. 
but you're not taking us out of the lottery because that's our Stanley Cup right now, realistically. So that they're, they're, that's probably where most of the pushback is coming from. I don't think the league will be hearing any complaints about the draft lottery from the Tampas, Bostons, Torontos of the world. They don't care. They know they weren't going to be in it either way. They, they're too high up that even if they get bumped up five, six spots, I mean, pick 26 to 20, not that dramatic of a difference. They don't care. It's these tweener teams that are absolutely going to be kicking up a fuss because they were going to be in the lottery. But now they're going to be in the playoffs. They need the lottery more. They have a case because how many teams have we seen jump up from 7 to 15 in the last few lotteries? So they they know they hit. So, yeah, I, I, I fully agree with their arguments here about not taking them out of the lottery. I agree that uh, fairness and all this crap does not matter in the middle of a pandemic. You do whatever it is. I think the whole conversation of change altering the draft lottery and i've mentioned this on this podcast before taking my red wings bias aside i think there's no reason they should change the lottery format realistically in theory yes a team could win the stanley cup and the draft lottery Uh, i think it was dom on the athletic actually ran his model to see what the odds of that were and it was like a fraction of a fraction of a percent so yeah to me it seems dumb to change an entire format because of like a point one percent chance at something as a red wings fan i'm thrilled that this is a conversation because hey it only benefits us any other format than what they're offering now is better for the red wings so obviously i'm not upset but i absolutely get the argument from everybody not uh everybody sitting pick seven to fifteen because they're the ones getting screwed on this because they're not winning the cup and they're getting taken out of the draft lottery I get it. I agree with them. Again, going back to what I said last episode, though, it's a pandemic. Nothing is going to be right. Nothing is going to be fair. Everything is weird. We are going to have to accept drawbacks, no matter what you want. Now, there's better ways to do this, and the NHL is doing it because they're going from one extreme to the other, but whatever. They're going to find their happy middle ground, and everybody's going to be angry. We're going to be angry because we lost our top two guarantee. Other teams are going to be angry probably because their odds aren't as good as they otherwise would have been. Welcome to life. Everybody's angry. Everybody hates each other. Who cares? It's tough to feel bad or sad for Chicago. (laughs) I don't know when we flipped for for, um, me to be the mindless, like objectively irrational raging one and Brad to be the pragmatic one. Um I both didn't consent to this and also don't mind it right now. Uh, look, you're not you're you're completely right. I won't even say you're not wrong. You're completely right. If you're a GM of Chicago or you know, you know Columbus or whoever, you, you're not doing anything besides fighting for every single inch of ground that you can hold. You want your chance to play for the Stanley Cup and you want your chance at Alexi Lafreniere or Quentin Byfield or whoever else. You have to keep fighting for that. You're not going to not do it because. You know, three meatheads on the Winged Wheel podcast said, no, please be nice to Detroit. That's just not the way the world works. And that's not the kind of insinuation that I want to make. What I am, and this is an emotional response, like I'm not even going to pretend that this is even grounded in like reality removed from all bias. But my emotional response is the NHL needs to sack up and say, all right, yeah, we hear it, but too bad. We're doing this. We're doing this because we need the revenue. We're doing this because, you know, whatever other reason they want to draw up, 
it's just happening this way, you're not going to like it too bad. Find a precedent to, to hold against us. There is none. This is the best solution that we have. I think is it technically it, the best solution? Probably not. But again, I, it's an I think spot. if it wasn't Montreal and Chicago at that very fringe spot, the backlash might be slightly less because we both, we all know that Montreal and Chicago are big revenue teams and they have a bigger stick than a lot of the other teams who are on the outside looking in. Like, do you think this would be such a big deal if it was Minnesota right at the absolute fringe or New Jersey uh, or Columbus? Like, yeah, it's not a bit. I don't think the league would care as much, but since one's an original six team and one's plays in the winter classic six times a year, um, <laughs> It's a. They have a bigger stick in this argument than the other teams. It, it's funny you mention that because I, 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 you you know me and my conspiracy theories. I'm I'm always against them. I always think people blow those things out of proportion. I because I've been hearing things that people think the Red Wings, uh, possibly favored odds here is a big conspiracy theory. But the the Montreal Chicago points relevant though because those would be the last two teams in in a 24 team playoff. A 24-team playoff is insane to me, uh, in terms of fairness. With um, by because uh, we're we're missing what 10 games. Are you telling me Montreal was going to make up the 10 or 12 points they were behind in 10 games? Absolutely, in no reality were they going to do that. But Montreal and Chicago are two of the biggest attention draws in the NHL, so of course you want them in the playoffs at any chance you can get. That's why we're talking about a 24-team playoff and not a 20-team playoff. I guarantee it. If you want to go on conspiracy theories. Although that's not a conspiracy theory. That's just business. That's good business by the NHL. Yeah, we have an excuse to expand playoffs and get some bigger markets in here and even smaller markets. We're getting more markets in here. Great. Let's do it. Everybody will be happy except for the teams that are missing out on the draft lottery. Of course, this is going to happen. And again, this is completely unprecedented. Nothing is fair. Everything is wonky. All the NHL should do right now is try and maximize money. And I don't care. I really don't care how they do that. Just do it. Just, just don't put the question go. marks to rest. Just give us a yeah. resolution so we can all move on with our lives. They're trying to be half pregnant right here. And that's the worst thing the NHL could do right now. If they had just laid down the law a week ago, this is what we're doing. This is our plan. If COVID-19 says screw it and ruins everything in the next month, so be it. You just cancel everything. No harm, no foul. Nobody's leaving their house. It's not like we're getting gussied up to go anywhere. We're right where we were if it all goes up. But, and and by now, people would be done talking about it in a controversial fashion. They'd already be talking game plans. Oh, who's my, oh, Buffalo's going to play Toronto in the playoffs. That's cool. Oh man, the Senators are picking two and four. I bet they're thrilled. I wonder who they'll pick. We'd already be on that conversation, but no, they keep drawing it out, drawing it out, drawing it out, drawing it out, and just making it worse on themselves because now all we're talking about still is the controversial ends of it rather than the fun strategic ends of it. It's like watching Lost. You just want it to end, but it just keeps going episode after episode after season after season. Why is that such an apt comparison? Why does that make so much sense? <laughs> we're, we're stuck in the simulation right now. Lost it doesn't even make sense as a show. No, should have just stayed in the hut or whatever it was. Oh, in case anyone was uh, is avidly watching on YouTube, and I don't understand how, like people who watch on YouTube, like whether you watch the whole time or because we don't exactly like this isn't like a favorable 
uh, like multiple camera angle setup, like popular podcasts have right now. Cause obviously, you know, pandemic. Um, but in case you were wondering, I did just order another Michelada and Mel is bringing it to me. So it cost me a dollar, but it's a price I was willing to pay. Um, I know I was explaining this to, to Mel earlier. It's not even about Lafreniere. Cause I think any rational Red Wings fan has to understand that the best, like over the moon out of this world scenario for this team and this fan base right now was a 57% chance at Alexi Lafreniere. And that sounds great because we're embedded in this, but you remove yourself from all context. That's a 43% chance that you still don't win the draft lottery, which is a massive amount by all rights. It's a coin flip. It's like a slightly weighted coin flip. The importance of this was the guarantee of Quentin Byfield or who, you know, some people have an argument for Stutzla or even Raymond at number two, um, but it's a guarantee of second overall. And that's what is, was dangled in front of the Detroit Red Wings fan base and all of a sudden taken away here. And that's, what's just driving me insane. I, and it, what, what's so difficult is like every single year we've done this show. What is this, our fifth draft? It feels like it's been a hundred. Yeah, yeah. We every were, time we were doing this when we drafted um, Cronwall, right? <laughs> Maybe the draft was uh, still in black and white. <laughs> we didn't have YouTube, but we were there for the Eisman draft. No, we. Uh, this is, I think, our fifth or our sixth draft, and we've gotten better every time at not marrying ourselves to certain Same. picks. Yeah, not marrying ourselves to certain picks and not marrying ourselves to a certain like game plan or thinking that we can predict predict how all the teams ahead of Detroit would pick or even as we learned last year, even predicting how Detroit would pick. Um, and we've been better and better at making our peace with those scenarios so we can um, a provide analysis on them and b um, not cloud our, our judgment because look what happened with more at cider yeah of course we would have preferred trevor zegras um or whoever else at the time but it doesn't take away from what more at cider brings to this team we were there with lafreniere and byfield we were there no red wings fan reasonably expected it when over 50 percent chance likelihood was fourth overall we were talking about raymond we were talking about stutzla we were talking about rossi we were talking about whoever and now they ripped that away from the Red Wings fan base and said, no, 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 it's Lafreniere Byfield. It's one of those two. And boy, does it look certain. I'm telling you, the NHL is saying so. And it's not going to go any other way. And it's it's Lafreniere Byfield. And we're thinking, oh, my God, we either get like a magical game-breaking winger or possibly a physical freak number one franchise center. Oh, this is like the literally the best case scenario for Detroit. And then they were like, oh, I don't know. Montreal was really upset, so now we might have to rethink it. Anyway, Detroit's drafting 31st overall. Also, you're, you're, we're closing down the Little Caesars Arena. Sorry, guys. And it's just so, like, we were there, man. We were in a good spot. We got spot teased. We got, we got teased. teased. We got fluffed up and everything. This is all a test. This is now all a test. we're standing here with gods. our pants down, wondering what happened. Literally. I don't have pants on right now. This is, I can't even describe it. Because, well, A, you said we wouldn't marry ourselves to any picks anymore. If we're picking first, I promise you I'm marrying myself to a pick. Um, but it, the, we know how the draft lottery history has gone for the Red Wings. In the three draft lotteries they have been in, they have dropped a combined six spots. 
the benefit of being the worst team in the league is, well, you can't pick worse than fourth. Uh, the downside is we once again can't move up in the draft, so we can only fall or stay the same. Stay the same is a massive win, but even if we pick second overall, technically the draft lottery screws us again. I, I'm not going to go on the same anti-draft lottery rant that I went on last episode because I probably talked way too long while I was doing that, but it's just... You're just noticing this now, five years in? Yeah, I know, but it, <laughs> it, it you, you basically said what everybody's feeling. Like, it's frustrating. Tell us we're picking seventh, and then when we find out it's like fourth, we're happy. That's right? all I ask for at this point. I want my expectations to be exceeded for once under promise over deliver it's not a hard formula exactly tell us it's a 10 team lottery even if only two teams can win it tell us i don't care like gary just rig it gary just rig it just rig it you did it for pittsburgh just do it for detroit just do it it's cool man just do it yeah like and we're not even threatening to relocate the franchise detroit's not even doing that like pittsburgh was to kansas city back in the day just do it they deserve it Detroit does deserve it because as we talked about last one, we're the one team that was this truly bad, honestly. We couldn't get better. Like, I don't even know if we could have got worse, to be honest. We got Sam Gagne and we probably did seven featured episodes on him. <laughs> and he was he, our he played six games. Best, he was our fourth best player. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. On the plus side, I watched uh, uh A Wood put up the Philip Zadina season highlight video, and that that got me through a day of quarantine look if montreal wins this lottery that goal that zadina scored against montreal will be the only thing that keeps me on this earth it's it's, i can't even process montreal getting lafreniere man we think leaf fans are insufferable by and large but could you imagine montreal fans with lafreniere we would be insufferable with lafreniere and we're not even french canadian now imagine if we were french canadian Imagine if the Red Wings pick first overall and the superstar was born in Ann Arbor. Yeah, the oh. Montreal is basically the Leaf fans with a lot more French and a little bit more aggression. <laughs> I would say a lot more aggression. Yeah, they tried to uh, class accident lawsuit Zidane Ochara, so that just tells you everything right there. I mean, when you, yeah, when you have a fan base that has 24 Stanley Cups and then the Leafs, one of them has a bigger leg to stand on and they they use it but both fan bases don't remember either championship was Uh, actually ryan have you been alive for a a canadian team winning a stanley cup they won because your birthday is november right they won the stanley cup and then five months later i was born oh my god that's ryan's fault you you did this to the country of canada we're gonna get a lot of angry francophones you're welcome every other team in the league Uh, before we move on to uh, not just inane rambling about the draft lottery, uh, question for you two. Last episode, did you see me stack all of these coasters on my head one by one no. as I was talking to you? I can't see the top of your head with the way your screen is set up. Oh, yeah, because the I don't, I don't see the way that Evan has the recording bar. See, I, I can that. see all the way to the top of my head and part of my roof on my camera. And I bet you can barely see above my eyebrows right now. No, we can see it to about your hairline. Yeah. And I've got probably that much in my screen above it. Uh, okay. Uh, let's talk uh, 
draft prospects while we're still talking draft here um we're gonna make this another interesting prospect because it might be extremely relevant to detroit um there's obviously a lot of chatter about the red wings taking a good long look at tim stutzla wherever they pick because of the german connection between him and moritz cider um obviously it looks like or there's a possibility that steve eisman um tyler formerly tyler wright um, and Chris Draper found some kind of market inefficiency by drafting out of the DEL pretty high. Um, and they might look to revisit that with Tim Stutzla. However, um, Tim Stutzla is not the only German prospect being looked at this draft. And um, a lot of you have questions about, well, who do we target in the second round for the Detroit Red Wings? JJ Paterka is a great, great focus um, for that kind of pick and a player that admittedly all three of us are a big fan of. So today's draft prospect profile is JJ Paterka. John Jason. John Jason, please come to Detroit. Uh, yeah. I'm not betting he sticks around till pick 32, but here's hoping um, great skater, great offensive instinct, uh, good passer, great hands shot leaves shots. All right. Um, little inconsistent. Again, playing against men, though, not not a huge shock. If you were 17 years old playing against men and you weren't a little inconsistent, you'd be Tim Stutzla, and hence why you're in the top five. Can, well, likely top five. Um, Paterka, obviously, he's, he did well in the DEL. Obviously, didn't put up the big numbers that Stutzla did, but he put up respectable numbers. But the thing that's got me excited about Paterka is how well he performed internationally because we've talked about the... German world junior team at length because of, because of Stutzla and because Mo Sider was the captain of them. But that was a team that leaned heavily on underagers, uh, Lucas Reichel, JJ Paterka, Stutzla, and they did well. They beat the host Czech Republic. They avoided relegation despite being in the group of death. Um, it took a, I think they took a lead against the U.S. either deep into the second or into the third period. So they had a great tournament. And when, you know, I hate basing uh, an ana- analysis on a player based on Stanley Cups or wins or all that stuff. But man, when you've got a trio of 17 year olds leading your offense and you're doing that well, that can't be ignored. It just can't. And then you couple it in with obviously, you can see the way he plays, you see his skill sets, you see his stats, you see his underlying numbers. And it paints an overall very, very good picture. He's got a more impressive resume than a lot of the Canadian prospects, despite the mediocre numbers in the DEL. I I hate saying mediocre numbers. I mean, he's a 17-year-old playing in a professional league, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, Paterka is a, a pretty intriguing prospect for me, the same way um, Kaliev was last year. Um he seems like a guy who has that kind of potential first round talent. And for one reason or another, he's going to drop to the second Cali of what didn't drop to the second because of the same reasons as Paterka. But it, I'm, I'm kind of alluding to that inefficiency. I should say in terms of, of um, prospects, he's not at all a certainty. Like Brad mentioned, he didn't really have enough consistency for him to be ranked in the first round, which is fair, but also, if that's only because he was a very, very young man playing in a league full of grown men and professionals for the first time, um, then you're sure that he's going to grow out of that. And then bam, you have a guy with high end skill um, and you got him in the second round. Uh, Paterka showed really, really strong flashes of talent. Um, his offensive abilities are, are 
fantastic and i i firmly believe not even fully realized or there's a potential that we haven't seen everything everything that he can do um his top end speed is phenomenal um he's got great hands i think his offensive iq is really really good um the way he anticipates the play in the offensive zone i think it is extremely strong especially for a guy who's had limited opportunities like him um you don't see it every game and it it's kind of further between those highlights that you'd like to see from Paterka, but it's still there. And in my mind, the fact that he's shown it as much as he has means that the 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 natural resources are there. You just have to tap into them in the right way. And it's a risk for sure, which is why you're not seeing him go, you know, 12th, 13th, 14th. But at pick 32, man, I would be thrilled with a pick like Paterka. Um he's not uh I've seen criticism of his uh, lateral skating, but for me, if you have that kind of top end speed, you can teach the kind of footwork or teach him to to um, anticipate the game and position himself in a way where um, he doesn't get caught and he doesn't have to just kind of fly all out to be in the right place at the right time. But still, like with the kind of flashes of brilliance that he's shown, if Paterka pans out as a second round pick, what's worst case for him? Like a, a, a power play dynamo? Like, that's not a guarantee because he could for sure sputter out for whatever team picks him. But at the same time, like you have a potential first round talent that you're going to get at the second round because of uh, a, a team taking a risk. Yeah, he definitely is raw. And I think that's why there is debate on where he'll go in this draft. Um, and I think re- looking through some of the scouting reports on him, his consistency is lacking, but he is young playing in a men's league. It is very, very difficult to have consistency in a pro league. Um, but he, he looks really good. He, he looks like he's got all the tools to play in the NHL. That's just, where is he going to go in the draft? There's after the world juniors, he could be one of those guys, a team falls in love with. And if they're looking to take a swing with a couple extra picks, they might have, or they might trade up for him. He could go in the first round, if he's there at 32, that would be, I'd be very surprised, but Arthur Kaliev, Bobby Brink both went in the thirties. So you never know what's going to happen, but he, he looks like he'll be a, a bit of a project, but uh, a very promising one. It, it bears repeating that in almost every draft, once you get past pick roughly 20, 25, you're not getting a prospect without warts. You're just not. So you're betting on traits. And when you have the kind of offensive ability in skating that Paterka does, though that's a hell of a start and a couple of traits that you can easily work with to turn him into an NHL player. So, um, again, if we're talking pick 32, he's the absolute ideal type of prospect you pick at that point. Again, I'm not betting he's going to be there, but if he is, hallelujah. Yeah, what Brad mentioned um holds true and just think of it this way paterka and anti tuomisto would be wildly different picks in terms of what kind of player you're choosing at that spot um but they would still both fit the mold of this is a project it comes with a risk just inherently by where they're picked so no matter who you're selecting there um okay before we get into uh actually no let's just dive into this next topic which is um I mentioned before I, I gave airtime to stupid rumors about Anthony Mantha. So if I'm going to do that, then the only fair thing to do now would be uh, discuss Anthony Mantha going on the record about you know wanting to stay in Detroit, et cetera. So um, he did a 
he told, I think it was the Detroit news or the free press. I can't remember. I'm sorry uh, for getting that one wrong or not remembering at the moment, but he essentially mentioned that uh, there haven't been any discussions yet um, about his contracts while everything's kind of frozen, which I thought was a little bit interesting. And at the same time, um, he also mentioned that, you know, his, his goal for the season was 30 goals, which he wasn't able to hit because of injuries, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, what got me thinking was he's on for three and a half million a year right now, or 3.3 million per year right now. And that deal is up. So he's up as an RFA. What would be the number for Anthony Mantha where you would shout from the rooftops that this is an unbelievable victory for Steve Eisman in terms of term and cap hit $4 million, right. 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Real- circumvent the cap realistically if we can get him under six and a half oh he's not he's not going stupid cheap and he's unless he goes stupid short term um so yeah if uh, you can get mantha less than six and a half i know he hasn't scored 30 goals in a season yet but that's only because he hasn't played a full season his last two years he was his goal per game was well at or well past a 30 goal pace so if you can get a guy of that skill set for that little of money, of course you do it. And and this is the inherent risk though, risk reward, because he's been injured. So we don't know if he can stay healthy, but this is the exact type of time where you can get a bargain deal on a guy because he hasn't hit 30. I don't think there's a Red Wings fan out there who wouldn't classify Anthony Mantha as a 30 goal score, except for the fact he hasn't scored 30 goals. But if you gave him the money of a hypothetical 25 goal scorer, that's a huge win. So I, I, again, I'm comfortable with the Red Wings going long-term up to seven and a half, eight mil a year for Mantha, but yeah, anything six and a half or less, I, I think Eisman's coming away with a, a big win. He's about what? 26 right now? 25. I think if he just signed eight years by seven and a half, would you be happy? Eight years by seven and a half. Yeah, yeah I did. I, I wouldn't, do backflips for that contract, but I, it's fair. It wouldn't be my favorite. You never know with what the cap's going to be. Might might go down twenty million bucks. Yeah, the I'm, the seven and a half isn't what bothers me there. It's uh, with with the way Mantha uh, plays. Uh, I don't know how how durable thirty three year old Anthony Mantha would be, but I mean, yeah. it's uh, I'm pretty confident at least till thirty thirty one he'll be a productive player. So if we get six good years and two crap years that's probably worth the trade-off i'd be pretty happy with like a seven by seven for mantha anything better than that and i i think would be a, a pretty good victory it's it is risky inherently though because he's like you said not the healthiest player he tends to get injured for like 10 games at a time which is not good for hockey players if you've noticed um as they come back from those injuries, yeah, they were gone for 10 games, but give them another 10 to get back into game shape and up to game speed and pick up any pace. Or if they were on a hot streak, that's gone now, which we saw with Mantha. At one point, he was scoring at like a 49.6 goal pace. Um, then, at, at one point, he was scoring at a hundred, uh, 200 and something goal pace. Uh, by the end of game two, he had <laughs> he had five goals in his first two games. So what's uh, what's the pace there, Ryan? Uh, I, I will not be typing that math in right now. Um, no, it, it's not. Wait, sorry. Five goals in two games? Yeah, he scored in the season opener. 205. There you go. Yeah. Um, Wayne Gretzky, who? Yeah, honestly. It's not, it's not, it wouldn't be bad. Like you said, it wouldn't be bad if he got the deal that we just talked about. 
of like north of seven. But if Eisenman, and I feel like this is the kind of negotiator Eisenman is, if you look back at his Tampa Bay contracts, if Eisenman can capitalize on Mantha's, you know, I'm, I'm calling these shortcomings now, not entirely his fault, and sign him now to a longer term deal, that's kind of his MO. And that, that's almost what I'm expecting. I'm expecting to see a six as the first number in his, his dollar value. Um, and I, I think that would be really, really strong for Mantha or a strong contract for the Red Wings if they could bring Mantha in for that number. If it's like $6 million by like two or three years, like I'm fine with that legitimately. Two or three years? God, no. You want Mantha going into unrestricted free agency at 27 or 28 years old? He's making bank. Yeah, he and it won't be in Detroit. Uh, okay, but... I mean, you, you need someone on the team who's good by the time we expect them to be good. Right, but you would... You would hope that Mantha, if he pans out as one of your top like two or three players on the team by that point. So what? let's say Larkin, Lafreniere, and Mantha are your three best players. Yeah. And you want so, Mantha under contract for less than $10 million because that's probably what Lafreniere and Larkin are going to get on their, their long-term <laughs> contracts. That's fair. That's fair. I think I'm just maybe not banking on Mantha turning into a $10 million player. No, I, he, I don't think he'll ever be a $10 million player. He could be a 40-40 guy, though, and what the hell is that worth? Uh, oh. before COVID-19 $10 million player yeah I mean now, he was five pack of gum yeah well there you go you gotta get him signed long term so we can save the money for Lafreniere I've got 20 bucks cash and some belly button lint where do you get that's 20 bucks cash I got that's what's your best. address well no one takes it anymore cash yeah, nobody is worthless nobody should be using cash right now the belly button lint's worth more exactly it's warm you can start yep. a fire with it I did all of this, like I'm taking all these precautions and you know, we actually have an N95 mask at home just from like Renos. Um, been using that when I go out to grocery stores and stuff. We've been trying to support local businesses. We tried a new pizza place really close to us. We ordered a delivery. Guy comes right up to the like, door, like face to face with me. No like gloves, nothing. Just like hands me the pizza, like is right there, like talking, laughing. And then I close the door. I'm like, Mel, don't worry about quarantine, man. It's over for us. If that guy had it, we have it now. This is so annoying. Well, uh, Ontario is about to lift all the restrictions right now, so my work's got me uh, prepping to open a retail store. So Please I'm sure that's going to that's going to go well for me. On the course, uh, it's not that Evan doesn't believe that you should uh, not stay home, or it's not that Evan believes that you shouldn't stay home. It's uh, Evan wants to golf. In case you were wondering, yep, Evan would actually golf with COVID nineteen. Yeah, if there was golf in a hazmat suit, if that's what we told him it took, I would golf if, with the snow outside yesterday. If I could golf right now, I would play. Hell could be taking over the world, and I would play right now. It's the opening scene from This Is the End, and Evan's just in the middle with his nine iron. Evan, if I give you a hundred bucks, would you be able to get me a decent set of clubs off of like Craigslist or Kijiji? Mm, a defined decent, decent for me. Like I'm not going to hurt myself my game by playing with these clubs but they will help me to some degree i mean i've i I bought a vintage set that has some right-handed clubs that were made in 1956 that i can't i don't want to play with anything with lead or uranium in it please yeah you might get some weird rashes from it but uh it would probably work and i spent 40 bucks on those well uh the good news is with those clubs you'd hit the ball the ball would get so hot from whatever chemicals are coming out of the club it would just make its own hole when it hit the green exactly that's true um okay last quick point here um 
and it's I'm not going to dive into the whole discussion about what return to play would look like, but I saw um, something which is that one of the teams in the NHL requested that if there are like hub cities or like central cities that the league returns to, if they are able to return, they are requesting that um, say they pick like one for each division that home teams don't get to, or teams don't get to play in their own cities. So they would have to go play in a different hub to level the playing field. So they don't have the advantage of being able to, you know, go home or play their own home arena or that kind of thing. And at first I was like, well, that's stupid. And then I was like, that's a massive advantage. Like, just think of how big of an advantage that is. Massive advantage. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm it's not a massive advantage. There's no fans. There's no it's not the fans. You get to go home to your own house. You get to see your family. You get to sleep in your own bed. You don't have to like sleep in a hotel. That that could well from a from a happiness standpoint. Yeah, it's an absolute disadvantage from a performance standpoint. A lot of guys say they play better on the road because they're more focused because they don't have the distractions. Um, I mean, you get your own dressing room, but I'm assuming you would have to share that with other teams because if you've got eight teams playing in your hub, right, you're going to have to, I don't know how many dressing rooms in arena like the Scotiabank arena in Toronto would have, but I'm pretty sure the Ottawa senators or whatever team isn't going to take the janitor's closet. Um, I don't, I don't know. The Leafs might actually be giving Ottawa the janitor's closet now that we talk about it. Probably. Um, I don't think it's that big of an advantage. And to me, like a lot of players are already upset that if they do this hub idea that guys are getting pulled away from their families for two, three months. So I I think it would be kind of a dick move to take four more teams away from their families when you don't have to. To be completely honest, if, if I was an NHL player and we had to go back to work, I wouldn't even want to go home after games. Think of the, uh, the uncertainty of, some of the conditions the other players may have been in and then they just spit on you or their sweat fell on your face and then you rubbed your face like there is still a percent chance that there could be some cross-contamination and i wouldn't want to make that risk of giving that to my my kids or my my wife or my spouse or whatever or my cat um so i would much prefer to play on the road than potientially you know create a patient zero within the the nhl little bubble honestly can we look back at what brad marchand did when he licked whoever it was a year or two ago and just just put up a massive poster that says don't do this we can now recognize yeah like it was gross at the time and everyone was laughing i'm like no that's disgusting that's like if that happened on the street that would be assault and now we can all recognize how biologically disgusting that is i was mortified i was like i don't know where brad marchand's mouth has been don't do that nor do we want to know. Well, no, we're it might, good. It might be useful epidemiology, ep- epidemiological information now. Some oh, poor man. grad student could have done their dissertation on that. <laughs> we science lost that day. Uh, how close is uh, uh, TD Garden to Harvard? Harvard, Avid. I think it's Avid. pretty close. Let's see. Oh, oh man, this is science happening right now. Um. Do we have anything else we want to do before we get into overtime? It's 11 minutes, but that's without any traffic right now. Are you are you guys saying that Brad Marchand's tongue would get a, would be a fringe case? Brad, maybe. <laughs> um, I accidentally just clicked on my um, Outlook app instead of my, my web browser, and now all of my work emails that I've 
obviously not looked at over the weekend are popping up one by one and there's so many i'm devastated for tomorrow ryan um let's get into overtime uh overtime of course is uh oh this is a weekend episode i thought it was midweek it's a weekend episode we're gonna get to a few different uh, spots here but we're gonna start off with patreon as our way of saying thank you to our patreon supporters for um supporting the show and uh helping to keep us going um through this quarantine uh before i do that i want to recognize uh two people which are um Daniel uh, Rossi of RD Woodworking, who built us this gorgeous custom podcast table, which you guys, of course, cannot see right now. If you guys go to rdwoodworking.ca, um, you'll be able to um, see all the work that he can do for you uh, wherever you are. Um, message him if you want custom cabinetry, if you want a custom table, whatever it is. The guy is supremely talented, um, cannot say enough good things about the work that he does. So thank you, Daniel. And we cannot wait to showcase this table off more once we can start doing this podcast in person again. And then secondly, we want to thank Everett um, at Born to Dan Hart on Twitter for uh, supporting or sponsoring our latest giveaway, which is a three-tiered giveaway for all Patreon supporters. Um automatically entered based on your contribution level so there's three prizes the third prize is a 25 dollars gift card to vintage detroit's web store a second uh the second prize is a signed puck from a current red wing and the top prize is a customized jersey of the winner's choice so uh thank you everett for sponsoring that patrons stay tuned to see who wins that we'll probably announce it in a future episode uh a near future episode um and thank you to both of you all right Without further ado, overtime. Let's start off with da, 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 da. Oh, a healthy amount of comments today. Um, uploading more and more and more. Alex Zucco says, hey, fellas, happy Sunday to our friends to the north, technically east from here in Grand Rapids. Uh, not Zucco, Zucco, sorry. Helene St. James wrote an article today about some refreshingly realistic UFA forward targets. Nemesnikov and Dadnov being the most interesting to me. My question is which you'd rather see in the red and white. Selfishly, I'd love to see Stevie build up the Russian pipeline again and get one or both of those guys in the mix along with Timoshov and Sveshnikov. Sending you guys a virtual cling-cling with my Red Wings special edition Labat. Alex Zucco. Come on, Ryan. I, I'll bet you said Zucco again, eh? Oh, I did too. Mesnikov and Dadnov, who would we prefer? Um, neither. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Nemesnikov is uh, he, he's fine. Uh, Nemesnikov to me is quintessential guy, which means he's an upgrade on at least 70% of the Red Wings forward, so I can't complain too much there. Uh, he's the younger of the two that's going. Dadnov is a far better player, uh, but the problem with Dadnov is he's 30, I believe. And I don't think the Red Wings are in a position right now to be signing 30-year-olds, at least not good 30-year-olds like Dadnov or Dadonov. I forget how it's pronounced. I mean, if the Red Wings are signing a 30-year-old, it's like Thomas Vanek or Val Philpla because you know they'll take a short-term cheap deal. I don't see Dadnov doing that. So, I mean, if Nemesnikov, he's young enough, and if he's cheap enough, sure. And if Dadnov's willing to come short-term, couldn't hurt. But I don't see that happening. Um, okay, for a fun little non-hockey question, let's hear the fictional character that each of you would most closely closely associate with from your favorite hockey movie. Bonus points if you pick someone from D two. Um, it's not D two, but the goalie from Goon. <laughs> <laughs> Rule number one: <laughs> Don't touch my Percocet and two. Do you have any Percocets? <laughs> it's one of the Russians that make fun of him. Anyone else seeing this shit? <laughs> 
<laughs> We're on the same team. <laughs> That's me with these two meatheads. Oh my god. Um, I'd say Adam Banks, but my family was way too poor for that. Uh, I'd say Goldberg, but I'm not a goalie. Well, not the he hasn't aged well either. Self meth, yeah. meth is a hell of a drug. It really is. What uh? What's the uh? Name in the movie Goon. I can't remember the character's name, but the guy, uh, uh, the the superstar in Doug Glatt's team with absolutely no character. The French Canadian? Yeah. Yeah. He's really, really good, but everybody hates him. Yeah. Because he's a douchebag. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that guy. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) Evan is, uh, what's her name? The cat in uh, Mighty Ducks. Julie the cat. Yeah. That's it. I'm Ogie Oglethorpe. Joseph Delia says, sup, my dude. So I recently got into hockey cards. I have a few jersey cards, but I don't know much about sets. I ordered a 1920 MVP because Baby Z was on the box. So Bradley, do you still collect and do you know the best value in sets? I guess you can just give me a quick uh, synopsis on hockey cards for the other two hosts. Poutine, golf, poutine, golf, 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 poutine, poutine, beer, beer, snowboarding, 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 beer. You you recognize how mine are sports and yours are carbs, right? (laughs) I, I honestly take no issue with that. Fair enough. Uh, it was just an observation. <laughs> um, it's better than hockey cards. I'll tell you that. <laughs> True. Yeah, I I casually collect now. I I'm I'm not super deep into it. Just pick up um, some Red Wings stuff that I need here and there. Uh, honestly, the the hockey card industry over the last ten years has just been ruined. Just it's been it's awful. Um, there's three sets worth collecting, and most people can't afford two of them. Upper Deck Series One and Two. SP Authentic and the Cup. Everything else is costs way more than it's worth to buy a pack or a box. So, um, if you're looking to do it just for fun, stick with your OPCs, your MVPs, because they're so cheap it doesn't even matter if you get anything good because you barely spent anything. OPC, um, yeah, you know me. Yeah, Series One, Series Two, SP Authentic, Cup. I don't touch anything else, and I can't afford Cup. So, there you go. Matt Platt says, so all this draft lottery talk has made me get upset all over again about how ridiculously hard it is for the worst team to get the best prospect through the draft and how easy it is for fringe teams to jump up 13 spots. Any chance you think this offseason will inspire a lottery odds revision given the previous years that we got jumped, such as Carolina's picking Svetch when they just missed the playoffs? Doesn't seem the best system to promote parity. That team that barely managed to get 17 wins but swept the Habs and had a negative 122 goal differential deserves Lafreniere. If you don't agree, you're probably a Habs fan. Let's go Red Wings. Thanks for the content, boys. I Matt, I think now more than ever, these rules will be revi- revisited once things settle, and that's air quotations on settle. I guarantee you that's one of the things they look at. And it will probably be even more unfavorable. Definitely, because it's the NHL we're talking about here. Josh Terrell says, Dub Dub, uh, seems thus far you guys don't seem to be as high on Braden Schneider as other outlets. Is this due to a possible lack of offense, ceiling, and fit into the modern NHL? Thanks as always, fellas. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that was always the thing for me. I don't think he's a bad prospect by any means, but I I, I don't want the safe pick for Detroit, right? Like, I don't want a Patrick Nemeth. I don't want a, a guy who will fit on the third line. Like, I don't want, you know, a okay goalie for the pipeline. Like, I want them swinging for the, the fences for any picks through rounds one and three. Uh, if you were to equate what Braden Schneider would be in the food world, he'd be a plain cracker unsalted wow brad there's functionally nothing wrong with it but there's also nothing particularly exciting about it 
He's also a right-handed defenseman, and it's not exactly like... Oh, well, he's going top 10 then. <laughs> well, in, in Detroit's not trying to pick up a right-handed defenseman right now. So, like, it's nothing wrong with the pick. It's nothing wrong with the pick. Just in terms of the style of player Detroit's looking for, it just doesn't quite fit. So you know Detroit's going to pick him in the second round. Man, you're talking about Detroit specifically. I I struggle to find a reason why any team should pick him before the middle of the second round. Yeah, he's he's good defensively great those players are a dime a dozen nowadays we just got patrick nemeth for three million dollars that's what Braden schneider is a slightly better offensive maybe slightly better offensively patrick nemeth Sorry, not, says yeah not picking uh putting a premium on that pick hockey amigos a lot of unknowns and process rule tweaks literally are likely required to salvage the seasons it got me thinking pandemic notwithstanding if you were commissioned given a magic wand to implement any two new rules to the nhl what would you do could be pandemic related gameplay related whatever the nhl world is your oyster what changes do you make and why um, i literally said this exact scenario to mel in the car and i'm sorry for cutting you off two things gold plan but the version where you have to be mathematically eliminated before you start to accrue points to the lottery standings that and is literally the gold plan well there's a version where you get to declare when you want to eliminate yourself oh yeah, I, yeah. The, the version i read said it's when you're mathematically the original so the gold plan and the three-point win system those are my two things bam help the nhl right there um i'm going to also go with the gold plan and i'm going to banish offside and goaltender interference reviews gone be done with them let's move on with our lives i'm getting rid of all reviews no more reviews at all cop if just get rid of them all. If we allow one, we're giving an inch and people are going to take a mile. And the other one, every team needs to have a mascot. Detroit, step up. And that's it. That's all I got. How are you going to fit an octopus in those aisles? That's the great chaos. The great aspect of it. Bring on <laughs> if, the chaos. If gritty exists, Al the octopus can exist. The rule will be then if you sit within two seats of the aisle, hold on tight to your beer <laughs> gritty has uh, more twitter followers than like three nhl or instagram followers and like four nhl teams <laughs> that's awesome um he or what's it what was i going to say here garrett's uh ideas are free agency after or ufa status after five years instead of the current seven which would change how elcs are handled and ensuring that hooking isn't called on principle for risk contact um I would love to see UFA status be pushed up as well. I'm not so sure I want to reduce the amount of penalties called because as you get further and further away from a rule change, penalties tend to decrease arbitrarily. Yeah, I would put more penalties in place because there's a lot of interference plays that don't get called right now. That is BS, and I absolutely do not want to see UFA status moved up. Like It's better for the players, but if you want parity and competitiveness, you can't have uh, a team like the Red Wings losing Dylan Larkin at 23. You no. can't. Um, Peter Ploshansky says, what's up boys? Hope this mother's day finds you well. Oh, happy mother's day, everyone. We're so sorry. Happy mother's day. Crystal. wasn't sure if that's spelled with a C or a K. Uh, anyways, it's actually an R it's silent. So it's a Q. Yeah. It's crystal uh, with no F. <laughs> Anyways, I just finished Sean McIndoe's Down Goes Brown History of the NHL. If you've not read it, I suggest you order a copy. We've given away copies before. 
Um, great book full of super interesting little stories. One that I found particularly funny involved the 1990 draft. Calgary swapped the 20th pick in the draft for New Jersey's 11th. Calgary got their guy, Trevor Kidd. Uh, New Jersey ended up selecting Martin Brodeur. I had, I remember Kidd as a career backup, and it made me laugh even more when I looked up his junior numbers. Playing for the Brandon Wheat, Ki- Wheat Kings and Spokane Chiefs, he finished with 139 games played, 53 wins, 67 losses, four ties. The goals against a 394. I know goalies were not what they were today, but come on. Who in the right mind would move up that far to select a goalie with those stats in the round? Uh, number one, passing on Brodeur, Felix Potvin, Doug Waite, Peter Bondra, and Sergei Zubov, to name a few. The Flames, that's who. Have a good one. Hope this June draft bull crap gets folded. It gets figured out soon. Let's go, Red Wings. Uh, Matt Zolkowski says, uh, Hey guys, long time listener, first time caller. I don't have much to add about the conversation right now as to two months into no sports. We've talked about nearly everything. One recent thing I found interesting, or maybe not, and I'm not as tied into baseball as hockey, is the MLB unilaterally deciding to shorten its draft from 40 rounds to five. Really? Oh, Apparently, God. you can sign anybody that's not drafted, though. It appears the MLB isn't concerned about fairness, so why should the NHL? After all, this is a made-up game played up played by made-up rules for our, our entertainment and their profit. Preach, man. Preach. If Batman uh, thinks this is the best move for the league to make some money and get some attention, then he should just do it and not care what anyone else thinks. I'm rambling, I'm rambling a bit here, but I just want to uh, get to... What I want to get to is this. What if we took the MLB's idea and went one step further and eliminated the draft entirely a la European soccer and allowed teams to identify and uh, develop their own talent? As the league currently stands, what teams do you think would succeed from a Canadian's perspective? How strong is the desire to play for the hometown team? And would this perhaps override a larger U.S. market? Oh. We could probably... We could probably spend an entire podcast on the topic. Anyways, hope everyone remains healthy. Thanks for continuing to record these podcasts. It greatly helps to relieve the boredom. Let's go Red Wings. See you later, Arizona. Yeah, the rich teams would dominate. If you were a small market, you might as well fold now and save your money because the rain, like it probably benefits us, but the Rangers, the Red Wings, the Leafs, the Canadians, the Bruins, the Penguins, the Hawks, there's your next 100 cup champions because, oh my God, if you could sign... What what would stop Lafreniere, McDavid, uh, Eichel from all just going and signing with the same team? Toronto would win everything. Well, they would they would manage to lose everything even more miraculously. Well, there would still be a salary cap, so at some point, those players would have to figure that the teams would have to figure that out. But yes, yeah, but- having those players when they're twelve it gives you a massive advantage to figure out your financials in six years. I, I was going to say, like, yeah, there's a salary cap; they wouldn't be able to keep them all. But between entry level contracts, you get a hell of a sample size to evaluate evaluate who the ten best players in the league are and keep five of them. We had this kid when he learned how to tie his skates at four. Yeah, I think he'll be good. We'll we'll keep him. <laughs> Um, K was who is our resident fighter pilot in training says sup my dudes and happy mother's day life update got to fly my first solo last week. That was by far one of the coolest things I've ever done. He sent us a video. It is badass. It is metal as hell. Uh, probably the coolest thing. If I'm being honest, being up there without anyone in the backseat, judging and grading you is so freeing hockey related. Who is your bold prediction to have a big improvement slash good season next year for the Red Wings? Assuming the season goes, of course. And how is that may snow? Um, I hate the may weather right now. Just putting that out there. Uh, yeah. My favorite part of the may weather right now is as dumb as the, as it is the uh, Canadian snowbird fighter jets. We're going to do a lap over Ontario to show appreciation for the nurses or I 
don't get the connection, but whatever. It was a nice thought. Uh, but the snowbirds couldn't fly because of snow. So, yeah. Um, and my dark horse candidate for a breakout on the Red Wings this year. So I guess we're not picking any of the obvious candidates. So I'll go Dimitro Timoshov. Is he the only good answer to this question? Brendan Perlini. Uh, Perlini would be Maybe an acceptable answer. Uh, De Kaiser. De Kaiser. Well, he was doing well before he got hurt. Um, well, Bowie would hurt. be a terrific answer. It's true. Anthony uh, Mantha. Dennis Cholosky is my answer because I want it to be true. <laughs> Sam Gagne. <laughs> Peter Quill, I will not hear Sam Gagne erasure. Peter Quill says, hey, gents, from last episode, a Red Wings line with one player in each number tier. I'd argue y'all forgot number 24, Chris Chelios. I'd take him over Rafalski. Yeah, I, I thought about Chelios. But we uh, had old Chelios. He was still good, though. Yeah, we probably we we didn't do him justice by not including him. As for the draft versus 2014 playoff, here's a fun idea. What if the NHL lets teams 17 to 24 decide if they want to be part of the draft lottery or playoffs? See, I thought about that. Didn't I, I say that a few episodes ago? Yeah, but we don't listen to you. They can adjust the draft odds and playoff seedings around that. If you choose playoffs, you're out of the draft lottery completely. It'd be fun to see NHL teams that could then be in the playoffs potentially admit to their fans that they'd rather have tanked for a better draft position than make a legit playoff run. Puts teams in a pretty funny spot, and I'm here for it. I kind of like the chaos. They'll never do it because it's the NHL. How about we just figure out the draft lottery first? Give me me something. Yeah. YBK says, howdy, gents. Uh, Patreon system is garbage for writing actual comments. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry anyways where i live a lot of sports games have yearly versions of the same player as different entities i.e 0809 nick lidstrom would be different in terms of in-game stats from an 0203 lidstrom uh with that in mind let's take the four stanley cup teams the modern red wings era for each one choose the player who you think would have the highest overall rating based on that season's performance including playoffs and then choose which of the four would be highest COVID 19 has me rocking sports games out the wazoo so i figured why not bring that into question uh, stay safe and covered in facial hair, you dingbats. That's an interesting question. Um, I, to me, the answers feel pretty obvious. Ninety-seven and ninety-eight is probably Eiserman. O two is Lidstrom, and O eight is either Lidstrom or Zetterberg. Uh, Zetterberg won the Smythe, so I guess tiebreaker there. But yeah, but should Lidstrom have won it anyways? Is the question? No, yeah. I, I think in I think in O eight, I think O eight and O nine, Zetterberg legitimately turned into the best player on the planet in the playoffs. Yeah, but are I, I we not? Free. We're including regular season though, aren't we? Did Lidstrom win the Norris 08? I think so. I think that's exactly it. I think it's Steve. I mean, Eisenman. Is there an argument for Fedorov? Yeah, there's an argument for him, but I mean, Stevie was still like on the tail end of his prime for those 97, 98 cups, and he's a top 10 player in the history of hockey. So hard to argue against him. Um, Ian says, indulge me in a long comment brought to you by COVID idleness. Top 10 seasons of my life. My life. 2012, 2013. Uh, team in decline plays over its head farther gets farther than it should 94 95 obviously disappointing final but first time i felt like i was watching an elite unstoppable team honestly barely remember i was 10 0607 datsuk play or datsuk slays playoff demons franzen double ot goal against calgary fun series against san jose and even anaheim um 0809 don't want to talk about it first three rounds were fun though got punched in a ducks game <laughs> uh 2010 2011 a fill goal to almost come back against san jose my top moment as a fan including cups 95 96 regular season record eisman double ot goal against st louis has to be a top highlight in wings history beginning of abs rivalry 97 98 least memorable memorable cup but a cup is a cup 0708 
Cup, I was most adult for Osgood Returns. 96, 97, first cup in 42 years. Eisenman era coalesces. 0102, best team of all time, but still very dramatic playoff. Finally beat rival Avs in playoff comeback. Eisenman era and Zetterberg era. Triple OT winner for Larionov. Man, that Larionov goal, I will never, ever, ever forget. It's 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 easy to forget that if Detroit doesn't win that overtime, Carolina's up two one with game the next game also being in Carolina. Yes. Like that was very close to that series swinging the other way. Archer's Urbe's pads were eating pucks literally. That was looking harrowing there for a few hours. Um, Eric O says, Would you rather would you lose a couple second rounders to jump up to the later first and pick up Ryan O'Rourke? Seems exactly the kind of defenseman we need. He's been getting some press lately, so I imagine he's going to move up in the first round instead of falling back to us in the second. Thoughts? Uh, I'm big on Ryan O'Rourke, but I, I don't think you need to move up to get him. I think he's gonna be a second round prospect. And if he's not, that means someone else really good is falling. Connor Layton says, hey, fellows, while looking at draft prospects, I came across Keenan Draper, Chris Draper's son, who's apparently eligible for this year's draft. Elite Prospects has him listed as playing in the BCHL next year and then on to Miami of Ohio for college. Uh, any thoughts on if Stevie would take him with a later round draft pick or would that be kind of conflict of interest? A buddy of mine brought up a similar situation with one of Martin Brodeur's kids who was drafted seventh round in 2013 by New Jersey as more of a nice gesture. The Red Wings took the team, their longtime team des- dentist son, who you will know as Alec Regula before trading him away. Not necessarily just out of kindness, but it's not, I don't think conflict of interest really exists in hockey. It's a very oh. nepotistic sport. Oh my God. Every if, if your last name is a certain last name, you can almost predict from the age of nine what organization they're going to end up with. So, I mean, if it's a seventh round pick, sure, pick the kid. Seventh round picks rarely ever pan out. <laughs> Might as well throw a dart at someone you know. But yeah, I don't. They might. I doubt it. I don't care if they do. Um, just your average siege says, what's up guys. Um, so Eisman, Blashill and Draper have all been fired. You three have been chosen to replace them. Who's taking what spot? Pfft. I'm not head coach. I'm not head coach. I'll be head will- coach. I'll swear. Evans head coach. Brad's head of amateur scouting. Cause I think that's his actual dream job. It's up there. It's up and there. Brad's going to, Brad's going to hate it, but I think I'm GM just by default. Ugh. Seems Who would be the better amateur scout, Brad, me or you, be honest? Yeah, but what's the more important role? Yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> Get fucked, Brad. I'm I'm the GM of the rival team now. <laughs> um, I don't think... I, I think you could switch up who would be uh draper and eisman between me and brad but evan is quintessential good old boy hockey coach oh yeah get the trackies yeah. on boys can you imagine evan in post-game pressers hey uh coach what are your feelings about the game what do you mean we lost i feel bad it's a stupid question i'd be like bilicek because i have no time for the donkeys who ask stupid questions I, I would love to see an underperforming player getting ready for a morning skate and uh you send him that Ryan, you send him down to the miners. Evan just walks in. Hey, what are you doing there? Oh, I'm getting my gear on. Yeah, I'm going to need you to stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty stupid because you don't play here anymore. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Not you. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sit down. Goodbye. Uh, Evan Beckner says, gentlemen, in regards to the question last episode about making a lineup with one player per set of jersey numbers, I have one follow up. Would you rather have Rafalski and Cronwall or Chelios and Murphy? Hmm. It's okay. Fans aren't going to like me for saying this, but I think Rafalski Cronwall. I mean, Chelios, like, if, if can we take Chelios and Murphy in their prime? Because yeah. the primes were not with Detroit. So, yeah, that's different. 
Yeah, if we can take as they were at their best, that is the obvious right answer. But if we're taking their best Detroit years, then it's Cronwall and Rafalski. Um, Chris says, fun fact, the Russian Five documentary is on Amazon Prime right now. Going off that theme, I've seen the doc a few times, and each time I watch it, I lose a little respect for Don Cherry. He's extremely vocal about not having Russians or Europeans in the NHL then. Not just then. He called Nick Lidstrom a classless European within, like, what was it? Like, that was in the early 2000s, right? For what? what was that for? Skipping the All-Star game or something? Shit like I that? can't remember. Stupid. Uh, I don't care where someone comes from or if they're playing the best. I want to see them play against the best. What if the next wave of players is from Asia? Which, they, like, you're going to start to see that. Um, it's doubtful, but if they are uh, the best, and I want to see them on our eyes playing against our best. What did you all think about the way Don Cherry is portrayed? I mean, I have a Accurately. lot of... Yeah, very accurately. I have a lot of happy nostalgia with Don Cherry because you, you grow up watching the guy and you see the Rock'em Sock'em videos, yada, yada, yada. But the more you actually listen to Don Cherry, I mean, there's no arguing it at this point. Um, and th- this whole, like, oh, I want Canadian players or I want them. It's so dumb because this is going to get into a big, long conversation. So I'll just make my point and then we'll move on. But we're a society that's all about inclusion. Doesn't it? We live feel, in a society. Doesn't it feel a touch? What's a word here, Ryan, without getting too extreme. It's like, I don't want a player from this country on my team. That, that, that reminds me of a whole some other problem in society. So let's not evolve that into hockey. Yeah. And also if you're uh, controlling a hockey team and you're not picking players on anything other than how well they can play hockey, you're not doing the best for your team. Plain and simple. End of story. Yeah. To be fair, I don't think any NHL teams are doing that anymore. But no, you know, no. It Which wasn't that long ago that teams were. Uh, stay inside cheese bags. A Fournier company says, "Hey there, fellas. To everyone, if you haven't done so yet, stop what you're doing and call your mom and tell her you love her." It appears to me that Lucas Raymond's stock is decreasing due to his limited playing time this past season, and I think he'll likely slide down in the first round. However, and I'm sure Brad would agree, that would be a huge mistake. His highlight reel on YouTube is sick. That being said, my bet is Eisman has Stutzla and Rossi higher on his board than Raymond, given his track record. Thoughts? I hate trying to predict who a co- uh, team is going to pick based on previous players. I mean, I get, oh, we pick Sider, so it's it's natural to pick Stutzla. And if Eisenman's thinking like that, Eisenman shouldn't be a GM because that's asinine. As we just talked about, pick the best players. I don't give a crap what your history is. I don't give a crap what your preference is. Pick the best players. If you think they're the legitimate best players, sure. Eiserman is way too earlier in his tenure as a Red Wing for us to know what type of players he wants for this team. He picked a defensive defenseman at six overall, and he's almost certainly going to pick a forward this year. So we have no guess as to what he should be looking at. And Tampa so very rarely picked high enough to get an accurate read on what Eiserman would look at this, other than in... 2013 instead of picking Seth Jones he took a very small unbelievably skilled forward in Jonathan Duran because let's not forget most people thought Duran may have been the most skilled player in that draft he hasn't panned out obviously so I mean would it surprise me for Eisenman to take a small guy like Raymond or Rossi at three no not even a little and my page reloaded here. Okay, we're kind of back. Jake Kiefer says, Guten Tag, my dudes. 
Fun trade question at bare minimum. What what first round pick slot would it take for you to give up all three Detroit's all three of Detroit's second round picks? Personally, I'd say the thirteenth overall. Um, just kind of flipping through my head for this eleven. I'm thinking, yeah, latest thirteen even is a little bit late, but yeah. Uh, all right, time for some other questions here from Reddit. Recon Phoenix asked about Mantha and Bertuzzi's contracts, which we mentioned. Darn Fox says, if you had a chance to have one of the Russian five for their whole career starting from 18, who would you pick? Konstantinov, if he didn't get injured, counts. I would say Kozlov pre-car accident too, because uh, but we never saw him pre-car accident. Fedorov. More Fedorov. Fedorov. Yarvik7 says, hey guys, loving the show. Keep it up. Here's an idea. Why don't you guys place a call to the NHL headquarters and get Bettman on the phone? Do an interview and convince him to hold a June draft with the old rules. You can do it. Yeah, yeah no problem. Just snap, snap her fingers and it's done. Yeah, I think I got him on Snapchat. All right. Uh, Evan, pick a number from one to five. Five. All right. Uh, Kakaroto007 says, hello, gents. What do you think the Red Wings 2020-2021 goalie situation could look like? Would the Red Wings experiment with letting one of the five minor league goalies try out for a spot, or should they just sign a guy as a one- or two-year stopgap? Uh, Shouldn't guy. we always let them try out? Yeah. I mean, if Calvin Picker comes in and has the camp of a lifetime, or Larson does, sure. I still probably would send Larson to Grand Rapids. I mean, the backup goalie market is flooded right now with options that you could probably get a decent option for cheap. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's the more likely scenario. Bernier and Grice or something like that. All right. With that, uh, we're going to wrap up. I'm going to go play NHL with some Patreon listeners. Um, and I also have to do a lot of uh, editing because Evan's internet gave out somehow on his Supreme PC. Uh, <laughs> thank you Rogers uh, we'd like to thank all of our listeners our name level sponsors the septic tank of that bitch Carol Baskins Arjun Shanker, Jake Kiefer by Felicia, Dead Panda Society Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan Scott Martin, Kayla Thompson, Jacob Turner Matt McKay, Brandon M Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson Ryan Lewis, Langabeer, Clayton Van Dyken, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Alkasem, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Josh Rosnowski, Alex Ott, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Ke- Matthew Keeler, Craig Kibble, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, K. Waz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all. Hopefully by the time we talk next, we have some clarity on the draft lottery. If not, I will be completely gray. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.